All right, friends, welcome to the 2021 Living Your Calling Summer Series. This is going to be a six-week series where I bring on some faces you have seen before and some new faces that I am excited to talk with. And we are going to share what does it mean to be living your calling and living your calling in this moment and how did some of these guests build up to what they're doing today and what are they feeling called to do right now? Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Living Your Calling podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Hagen, and my mission is to help you step into whatever you're truly called to do. I'm a Midwest wife and mom, and I built my business and dreams between the moments of motherhood. I believe that you can create your dreams around whatever season of life you're in. I'm obsessed with creating connections, out-of-the-box ideas, and cheering people on in whatever goal they're chasing. This is a place where you can come to feel like you're joining your best friends for coffee, for real talk of what's happening in life and business. Whether you're working on personal development or business, friend, I got you. Each week, you will find an episode that educates, inspires, and helps you take action to step into your calling and live your best life. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for. Are you ready? Here we go. All right, friends, I am so excited to introduce you guys to one of the original American idols, the star of Broadway and the best morning walk pump up on Instagram person and my original favorite American Idol, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much. Yes, I'm actually getting business cards printed out with my favorite Instagram walk around pump up person. It's uh, it's pretty expensive, but yeah, <laughs> that's a great <laughs> intro. Thank you very much. It is awesome to, to be here with you. Um, I absolutely love what it is that you do and continue to do and how you serve. And so I'm excited to just have a chat with uh, this summer series about all the things um, that, you know, we're called to do and serve and all the wonderful stuff. So I can't wait. Oh, I was just so excited when we connected. Like it was back in January. I can remember in Clubhouse and I was like, it's like I'm standing next to my favorite American Idol in my like (laughs) of I don't know, middle school, high school, however long ago that was. It feels like forever. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I've just vomited uh, from age related uh, (laughs) trauma. You know what? It was almost 20 years ago. I think next year. It will be 20 years since that that first season. And man, I mean, just to think of how much the world has changed, let alone actual technology. I mean, because you think mm-hmm. this didn't certainly exist uh, back in 2002. Facebook, I think, may have just been in college, right? On one campus. I think it was Princeton. Uh, and then, oh, Yale. Um, and, you know, Instagram. All the, all the things that we take for total granted right now didn't exist television was in standard death like i go back and i look at the and you know you look at the old pictures and like there's those lines and dots at the top of the picture and it looks like it's about to rip apart well yeah that's my uh that's my world so but you know what the cool thing is is that 20 years later i still get to do what it is that i love which we'll talk about and I get to have wonderful experiences like this that even though a pandemic has completely turned our world upside down that we still get to serve and we still get to interact and have these wonderful conversations. Yeah, I have said this last year, I have gotten to meet more people than I would have ever gotten to like be in the room with. I say like we're in the room, like we've met. I'm like, someday yeah. maybe I'll hug you. I'll come watch you on Broadway. You yes, know? yes. Um, it's just amazing of what this last year and the connections I think people have made and 
the pivots that people have made as well. I just, and I like am the cheerleader for the like, go after your dreams, do whatever you want to do. And yeah. so I have loved it. I would love to kind of chat about, I don't think that people realize when you went on American Idol, you were also on Broadway or had the option mm, to go on Broadway. I did, yeah. So like kind of, you know, you had this career before a lot of people knew who you were. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to kind of start with that of, you know, because that's the dream of so many theater kids. I was a theater kid. I still want to be like, if I could just stand on Broadway for a few minutes, I'll do it because yeah. I didn't keep going down that passion. So why did you choose to do American Idol versus taking the line? You know what? It was such an interesting journey. And there come these points in your life where you, you just... You don't necessarily realize it in the moment, maybe, but you hit this fork in the road and a little bit of backstory. So before American Idol, I went to school at University of the Arts in Philadelphia, studied uh, vocal performance and musical theater, had always loved theater, had always loved stage performance. I knew that I was going to be on the stage when I found out that like musical theater was a thing. I think it was in like elementary school when they wheeled again. <laughs> this is the time I'm dating myself. They wheeled in the AV cart where the TV's like strapped down so nobody ever gets hurt. And they pop this tape into the VHS and it was West Side Story. And that was it. It was like. Boom! I was I was undone when I saw that. I was like, wait, I can sing and dance and act and do all these things? Oh my God, I'm in. Because before it was just singing. Uh, and so from that moment on, I knew that I wanted to be on the stage singing, dancing, and acting. And after I went to school for musical theater and vocal performance, um, I ended up during that time auditioning for The Lion King. And this was like early days Lion King when it was the hottest thing on Broadway. And so I was auditioning. I was very, I was like 19 or something at the time. And I got through all the rounds of auditions, made it to master the master class, which is like the sort of the proving ground. And the next step is being in a show, maybe the tour, maybe uh, Broadway. And so finished the master class. And they're like, we really love you what you do there's just not quite a place for you right now which i think was their really kind way of saying you're not quite ready yeah like you've got it but we just want to keep working with it. and so that's what it was and that's what we did over the years over the years i kept auditioning and they kept saying look we know that we know we know it's going to work and mm -hmm. then around 2001 i hadn't heard anything and then we fast forward to 2002 this summer i hadn't really heard that much and i'm sitting in my car just a couple of weeks after I had been given this yellow piece of paper on TV and told that I had a golden ticket and that I was going to Hollywood. And I was like, all right, I've never been to California. And I was like, okay, free, free trip to California. Great, cool. You know, Paul Abdul told me I'm going to, to Hollywood. This is pretty sweet. And, and so nobody knew what it was. I didn't know what it was. And so I'm there. It's a week before I leave at, for LA and I get this phone call and in, in the theater community, we do this joke, have this joke where, uh, you know, somebody calls and you're like, oh, excuse me, Broadway's calling, right? And you're like, yeah, gotta, gotta take this, Broadway's calling. And literally Broadway was calling me because Jay Bender's office, who casts The Lion King, was like, hey, we finally have the role for you. It's on Broadway. It's gonna be your Broadway debut. I was 22 at the time. It's a chorus role. And if you've ever seen The Lion King, it's it's just gorgeous, first of all. And a chorus role is like, you play the grass and your antelope and you're the elephant and you're all these things. Like, and it's amazing. And, and you're changing your clothes as fast as you can as many times as But you can. I was ignorant to that at the time, right? I didn't I didn't understand what a quick change was. I found out much later when I played Fierro and Wicked what a quick change is. But yes, those those folks, especially in the chorus of the Lion King and in ensembles really in general, but especially in Lion King, uh, they work hard. And it was everything I had ever wanted. And I had to say to Broadway, <laughs> to Jay Pinter's casting office, <laughs> Well, there's this thing in LA. I, I, I don't know. I might get cut, but I, I'm, I'm going to go out and can I call you in a week? And they said, yeah, 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 call us a week. So the long story, slightly less long for this whole experience when it comes to the fork in the road moment and where I hit one of my first major fork in the road moments was when I was walking down the aisle, the bomb at the Pasadena Civic Center. And when you go into the Pasadena Civic Center, that's where they traditionally have held, or back in the day, they'd hold, held Hollywood Week. So we're all tired. 
We're all being run ragged on purpose to see if we can handle all of this. Our brains are boiled because we're memorizing lyrics and having to make up our own choreography and facing the pressure of the judges and being told to like, it's a chorus line, step forward and everyone else go home. Or maybe you step forward and you're the one going, like all the pressure and the stress. So I'll never forget walking down the aisle and like going into an old church, you can smell the wood of this beautiful staid theater. And I looked up and I saw on the stage, the American Idol logo and the lights and the smoke effects and all the, the cameras. And then the table, the dais where the judges sat, right? And then I looked over and into the audience, into the orchestra seating, and I saw all of my fellow uh, hopefuls chatting, trying to remain sane. And I knew that I had this decision to make because I had told them I would call them in a week. Now, I wasn't even in the top 30, which is somewhat safe. I hadn't even gotten to that point to be chosen for the top 30, because I think they had like 90 people and these 30 people will go, whatever it is. And I could have been cut later that day, could have been cut next week. But I looked up at the stage and for some apparent reason, I don't know why, I just started crying. At 22, was not a big crier. So this was a big thing for me. <laughs> and so I'm crying and I start like, a, oh, and I'm trying to like hide my tears, but I don't know what's going on. And I stop and I just think for a moment. And I think about that stage at the Pasadena Civic Center. And I think I'm performing on the same stage where at the Motown 50th anniversary for the very first time in history, Michael Jackson did the moonwalk, premiered it to the world, and I'm on that stage. So many of the people that I know and I love and the reason why I got into this business have performed on that stage. And in that moment, this voice, something inside of me said, do this, go with this. And as hard-headed as my father would like to say, as hard-headed as I was at 22, I yielded and I listened. Now, I would like to think, and my, not, I would like to think, I do think that that was, that was God speaking through me. That was my higher self. That was whatever it is you want to call it. I, I associate it with God, with like, this is, this is the path for you. And I yielded. And I called up Jay Bender and I said, thank you so very much. Broadway has been a huge dream for me. But, I, but I'm gonna, I, I, just, I have to go with this other project. Please keep me in mind for the future. And the interesting thing, the bow on this story is that I went on then to perform in front of 30 million people week in and week out on American Idol, did the tour, had album, had films, had successes, had failures, uh, went and did all this film, television, all this other stuff. But 10 years after I told them, uh, Broadway, that uh, thank you, but no thank you, I would actually open my very first Broadway show and the opening night party would be held in Times Square, in the hotel, in the conference room that I sat and I waited to audition for American Idol for the very first time. And so I came full circle in that moment and it was like, this is the way it was supposed to happen. Wow, that is such a cool story. And I think like at 22, for you to have the enough to listen oh. to be like, I don't know what this is, but I have to follow because that's what I can feel in my heart. Yeah. Like that's an amazing thing as well, because let's, I mean, at 22, we all think we're like the biggest thing in the whole wide oh, world. Yeah. Here we are to grace the stage. And, invincible. You know, invincible. Yeah. Absolutely invincible. And I think it's those, those sort of, there was the catalyst, right? There was something there that was, I don't want to say momentous moment, because that really happens more towards death um, for everyone. But there was this thing, there was this moment of clarity. That's really what it was. And there are events that happen in our lives if we look back. And, you know, I love, I'm very passionate about confidence. And, and I, we're going to talk about that later. But one of the first pillars of confidence, really developing confidence, is gaining clarity. And in that moment, I was hit, literally hit, emotionally hit with this clarifying moment. Now, some people get into a car accident. Some people see someone and fall in love. Uh, some people, you know, uh, finally 
hit it in business and find their right message, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be traumatic or, or negative. For me, it was this moment of a, a cracking mm. open of a shell and a vulnerability. And had it not been so outside of my norm, I mean, look, I cried. I mean, I'm not a robot, but like just to break down, like, and, and to hear and feel that voice, oh man. That's what it was for me. So maybe when you are faced with a situation where you've got to make a choice, you know, look for those those moments of clarity or the, that listen to that voice or seek out that thing that seems to be out of the norm that might be pulling you or guiding you or leading you to the not the best choice or the correct choice but the right choice for you in that moment, right? Because if you had told me, hey, uh, you're going to go over the next 10 years and you're going to make a ton of money, you're going to lose a ton of money, you're going to be extremely famous and also you're going to be the mm -hmm. the butt of however many countless jokes on late night television, you're going to go through the deepest darkest depression of your life, you're going to have everything and recognize that it's worth nothing and nothing of what you're going to have everything in air quotes and recognize that it's worth nothing and blah, 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 blah. i might not have gone on that journey <laughs> i might have been like hey thank you very much i want to go play some grass play some grass in the lion king thank you very much right maybe i might blow a knee out or something but at least i'll know what i'm getting so uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's again, it was the right choice for me. And I, I recognize that because I had to go through that entire journey, not only to be prepared for what Broadway would be, which was the next 10 years after that, um, but now even what it is that my life has turned into and evolved, I should say, into because of, uh, as you said, the pivot that we've all had to go through. Yeah. And I even love kind of how you talked about, you know, people don't realize there was like, a long waiting period before and you know and and I think people in business have that and you're waiting and waiting of like what's is it going to be the thing and I'm even in that right now of trying to figure out people can be like well why don't you coach this and why don't you coach that I'm like I don't know it's just not right it hasn't been like that's it and I know because I've had that come where all of a sudden you're like that's it and this is it and then you can move forward and yes. so I love how you, you know, touched on that of like you had the waiting before and then even after there was some waiting mm -hmm. because I know when we met, I had told you, I loved your like the grace you had with American Idol and the after of how you supported <laughs> because I was so like, he's yeah. going to win. And my dad was like, he's not. And I was like, yes, he not. is. He's not. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> my dad was like, she's winning. Yes. But, you know, but there's just so much grace. And I love how you touched on that, that people sometimes think we just have to keep pushing and you do have to keep moving forward. And then all of a sudden something is going to click. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And so well put. That's it. You keep moving forward. We live in an instant gratification society where we want it. It can be at our door in 30 minutes or less, right? And if, or if we want it, we can just tap a few buttons on our phone and we've bought it. You know, we have it, we own it. And yet, when it comes to delivering a message, serving at the highest level, you can serve, right? Fine, right? You, uh, pizza joint will get you, serve you pizza in 30 minutes or less. It's not the most healthy thing in the world, right? It's not at the highest level of energy you can put into your body, although I do love pizza, I'm not knocking it. But like, if you really truly want to serve at the highest level, it requires patience, it requires experimentation, and it requires a massive amount of failure. Now, that's the thing that stops most people, right? It's the start that stops most people because people are afraid mm -hmm. to fail. They're afraid to look bad in front of their friends, their family, the people that they care about. But if you examine the story of anyone who has ever been successful in any sort of, you know, really truly measurable way, you will see that their story, their journey is laced with failure, not living up to the expectations that they have for themselves or that others have for them, not meeting some sort of metric, be it a vanity metric like likes and followers that don't really matter, or a financial metric, or a, um, I don't know, a weight goal metric, or a relationship metric, or 
any kind of, even a, a, a spiritual connection, like I, I meditate X amount of days a week, right? It doesn't have to do just with money. Um, mm -hmm. But I love to preach that failure is not an outcome. It's a mindset. I could say I stood on the stage in 2002 and in front of 50 million people watching on live television, I failed to be the first American Idol. I could say that my record only sold 150,000 copies, which now people would be happy about, but back then was a massive failure. I could say that my movie that I did then went in and out of the box office faster than you can say box office, and that that was a commercial failure. Those are all truths, but when we look at the facts, which is why, again, and <laughs> I could talk for hours about this, you know, that was what was true for me at one time. And that was my truth. I failed to do this. I failed to do that. I failed to do. But then I have people coming up to me and saying, I studied you and your moves and what you did on American Idol. And it formed the basis and the foundation of the things that I do right now. I have other people saying, you know what? My son used to self-harm. And then one day from Justin Kelly just was on the TV and he sat down and he just started watching it and he fell in love with you guys and he found some other outlet and he stopped doing this. I, I guess all of those things. Now the truth for them and for the people who say that is that it was this wonderful experience. So truth is relative, but when you look at the facts, this is what will separate the people who, who, who run away from failure and the people who embrace failure. When you look at the facts, the facts was I stood up in front of 50 million live people. I today, 20 years later, still am known and work and get jobs based on something that happened two decades ago because of the impact mm -hmm. that it made. And yes, you know what? My album did not do well, but I have relationships. I have experiences. I have all kinds of wisdom that comes from that, that has over the years been worth 10 times anything I ever got paid or maybe would have been paid. And I still get paid for some of the things on that album, hilariously enough. I mean, it's like, here's 24 cents for the quarter, right? But like, uh, it's like royalties and stuff like that. But, and again, same thing goes with the movie. That thing f failed at the box office. Geely was the only thing that was probably worse than that at the box office, right? Yet, I still under, I stood in Television City, <laughs> not Television City, I stood in the, in the tent where the uh, director and the producer and Video Village, um, and I watched and I listened and I learned things that make me so much of a better actor and performer and more directable and all the other things, right? So, failure is a mindset not an outcome. So when you continue to embrace failure, continue to move forward foot by foot by foot, you learn how not to do things when you fail at it. You learn what doesn't feel right when you try it. You learn what message doesn't resonate. And just like a Rubik's cube, which I cannot solve to save my life, let's use a better example, just like a little lock, right? You eventually put it into the right combination and then that's when you see oh oh uh, michelle was an overnight success she just she just all of a sudden came out of nowhere right oh look at oh it must be so easy for her they don't see all the times that you fail all these people who seem like overnight successes have gone through the process of massive failure over and over again but they kept moving forward kept putting the pieces in different arrangements until it unlocked everything for them. Yes. Oh, that's so good. I would love to know because, you know, you're at this place now where you can look back and see your failures and know I was learning from them. And, but in that moment where you like, I'm going to quit, there's, mm -hmm. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do this anymore mm -hmm. because, you know, I would love for you to kind of talk about that because I can see, you know, like in that time where we don't realize we're like, well, I'm just going to quit. What advice would you give people that are kind of in that season of like, I have tried, I have failed, I've put stuff out there, nothing works, and I'm about to walk away and go back to corporate and get a job mm -hmm. that I just have to do, you know, follow the boss and what someone else tells mm -hmm. me to do. There is always 
a time, there always comes a time for a strategic withdrawal. It's not surrender. It's not defeat. But oftentimes it can be a strategic withdrawal so that you can live to fight another day. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, you have the, you know, the Gary V hustle, hustle, hustle. And that's great. If you're in your 20s, that makes perfect sense. Right. And and. I still would argue that there's a time for recovery. And I think that he would say that too, that there's a time for rest, there's a time for recovery. It's not playing Call of Duty for 10 hours a day, right? Which is something that, you know, can, can happen, especially at a young age. Uh, but there may be a time when you just have to say, okay, I have, I have gone full bore, nothing seems to be working. I have tried, I have been persistent, I have exhausted every option, and I need to take a step back to reassess, and maybe I do need to go get that job. Maybe that's what you need to do, and that's fine. There is nothing wrong with that. That's actually intelligent. The plowing forward, no matter what, burn the boats, yes, that can work, but when you for example, like me, and you have a wife and three children and two dogs, and you're the only one who's bringing the money, you might need to take into consideration some of those other things. And yet, at the same time, you can go back to work, you can go back to corporate, and you can continue to invest time and energy in figuring out what it is that you really want to do and, and how it is to really deliver your message. That's it. Find the right message. Uh, and it's very simple. It's just, it's, it's a simple experimentation because most of the people who are in the position of, I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore have probably been doing most of the right stuff, but maybe in the wrong order mm -hmm. or there are certain p pieces missing. And, one of the simplest things in marketing, simplest, simplest ways to really get started on the right foot is to find a hot market, usually in health, wealth, or um, relationships. Find a hot market. Find out where those people are hanging out that you want to serve and ask them what they want. Ask them what their number one challenge is or problem is with XYZ. Now, it's so interesting how, and I've made this mistake too, we often think we know what people need. And we do, usually we do know what people need. I know that someone who has $10,000 in the bank at the beginning of the month, but spends $11,000 and has a negative balance at the end of the month, I know what they need. They need to stop spending so much and to track their spending and to be more disciplined with their money. However, that's not why people buy. People don't buy things because they need it normally. Mm -hmm. Sales and selling and purchasing are very highly emotional things. You didn't buy that shirt that you're wearing. And I didn't buy this shirt that I'm wearing because we walked into the store and said, my, 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 look at how wonderfully well-designed this textile is. It will certainly reflect the UVA and UVB rays from the sun and protect my skin from the elements. That thought didn't cross either one of our minds and mostly does not cross 99.9% .9 of the people who walk into a store for a piece of clothing's mind. What did? Ooh, this looks cool. I'm going to try it on. Oh, I look good in this. I feel good in this. My spouse is going to really like me in this. Feelings, feelings, feelings. People don't buy because of logic. They buy on emotions, right? Anything, cars, relationship advice, courses, whatever it is, it's a very emotional purchase. And so I know I veered off of the, if you want to quit, but if you're in a place where you're like, I just, I'm just going to take one more stab at it. I'm going to take one more chance. Maybe step back and start to think about, think from the marketplace. Think about what people want. Give them what they want. When you woke up this morning and your bank account was in negative $1,000, did you think, I really want 
a coach to come in and and give me a course and make me pay for x y no they said i i I want more money i want a way to be able to sell my advice or whatever i don't i want a way to i want to not feel so stressed i want to feel like i'm in control or whatever and when you start developing a message and products that are geared towards what people want then you can like kind of slip in the back slim what they need right once you get them to buy in on what they want then you can begin to give them what it is that they need and so that might help some folks and then other folks look it's time it's time to get you a jobby job and it's time to step back and maybe pick up russell brunson's uh expert secrets or pick up a, a book from Myron Golden, the the cash uh, trash man to the cash man, or pick up something from Marie Forleo, or pick up something from Amy Amy Porterfield. Yeah, exactly. And just do a little bit of homework. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to kind of step back because there, I've in in my entrepreneurial journey, I've I find so often that I'm like ten steps forward, and then I have to go fifteen steps back, and then I go another twenty steps forward, and then I get it's this like really interesting sort of cycle where I'm constantly learning and improving and adjusting and like recognizing that like oh man that was just a that was a poor choice. But in my ignorance, I didn't know. I didn't know that I didn't know. And so I keep learning these things and going back and refining the process. And then it gets me a little bit further than when I first learned the thing. And then I go back and I refine. And so, yeah, that's that's my advice. My long, long advice for somebody who's thinking about quitting. There's there You may need to go back to the basics. And yes, you may need to go get that job. And there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. I love though that you touched on that and how like Gary Vee is push, push, push. Yeah. And even on Clubhouse, there was a lot of people that I felt like were teaching that push, push, push when it we first got on mm. there, like be on here all the time mm-hmm. and do all the things. And I can remember being in a room that was mainly women and it was moms. And I asked these people, these women, I was like, do you really get up and do these routines that a lot of these men preach? Because as moms, I I knew she couldn't do that. And I wanted them to say, no, I don't get up at the crack of dawn and do all these things because I have a six-month-old, which she said she was nursing. So I'm like, I know you're nursing up. And she's like, no, it's just routine and all this stuff. And I was like, no, just please tell people. Like, well, that's what people I think are craving. And I love that you said that because I know that it's going to give someone the permission to be like, okay, like, I just don't have to keep pushing forward, especially like with kids, like you said, you know. That's just not something that you can do when you have little kids or what you can do in your 20s and that is hustle and hustle in your 30s and late 30s. And as you have kids and activities, it all changes, but it's relevant to making sure that you're doing what's important to you. And I love that piece of it. But I would also argue, I would also argue there that you're you're just going to get out what you put in. Mm -hmm. I do take my, I, I get my two boys up, I get them dressed, I get them fed, I get them to school in the morning. But I also, and this morning was an exception, I actually I stayed up late watching Sword and Bone on Netflix with my wife. That's kind of our like <laughs> our, our thing that we do at the end. So I stayed up late. And so I got up at seven o'clock, but usually I will get up at five o'clock in the morning. And yes, I do believe that the morning routine and all, now look, a mom with a newborn, a dad with a newborn, like all that's out the window, right? Even when you have two, three, four-year-olds who will wake up at any time of the night they so desire uh, and and will often do it when you have that thing that you need to do the next day, uh, which is a phenomenon that I don't, I don't understand, but it's so true. They could sleep throughout the night for months. And then that day I got that big audition or the thing I got to do, they're up, they're up in the middle of the night so they can feel it. It's like they know they're like, oh, I gotta mess something up. I gotta mess something up for mom. <laughs> I gotta. This is what I gotta do. Like they're pre-programmed that way. Uh, it's not malicious. It's just what they do. Um, so there is something to be said for the morning routine. There is something to be said for when you get an early mm-hmm. adopter opportunity, like with Clubhouse or like with, you know, state. All these other things that are gonna come out over the next uh, year or two, and forward. Yes, there is something to be said for pushing on there early. Um, but 
everyone's balance and individual needs, they must take it into account. You can listen to Gary Vee, push, push, push all you want to, but if your body starts to fall apart, you're no good to yourself mm -hmm. or anybody else. You can push, 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 push if you want to, but if your connection to God and your spiritual, whatever that is that feeds you falls apart, you're no good to yourself or anyone else. Same thing in relationships, same thing in business. And I think that we far too often think that living a one to two dimensional lifestyle is, is kind of the way it has to be. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when I talk about core confidence and unshakable confidence, I talk about four skills that you apply to four key areas of your life. And those four key areas of your life are your body, your spirituality, your relationships, significant other, children, family, and your business. And if you'll notice, a lot of people who are crushing the game in business, their bodies are falling apart, right? Or they're crushing it in business and they're so, like they meditate every single day and they like, they do the yoga and all the stuff, but their relationships are crap. Or people who are like, I love my spouse. I am all about my family. It is all I think about and all I do. Their business is falling apart, right? Or their body, whatever, right? That one to two dimensional lifestyle is kind of where we, we just think, oh, it's just gonna what it's gonna be. And yes, there are seasons, right? Where some we're gonna make investments more in some areas than others. But when you develop a morning routine that is not, I've gotta go be Marky Mark and get up at 4 a.m. and work out until I have muscles that pop on top of muscles. No, when you develop a morning routine or an afternoon or an evening routine, whatever it is for you, you end up actually being able to, if you do it, I don't want to say correctly because I mean, I have, what is that? That's relative. If you do it the way I think about doing it, which is with your body, your spirit, making the investments in your body, your spirituality, your relationships and your business, you can actually live a four dimensional lifestyle where you're making investments in all of those areas and then seeing a return on those investments throughout time, right? And you can have the body that serves you. You can have the spiritual connection that serves you. You can create the relationships that serve you and the business that serves all of that if you are willing to be patient, if you are willing to make those little investments every single day and over time they will continue to return more and more and more value. And, and so yes and no to what you're saying, right? If you do it the right way, if you do it the what I would consider the right or correct way, yes. then yes. it is possible to do all of that. But most people will say, you've got to push in business and push and push and push and push and all you got to be waking and reading this and doing that. And then people wonder why they, their spouses leave them or they, they completely mm -hmm. are in a sexless marriage or like why their bodies are falling apart. Like these, these, these things are, are uh, very much a part of our culture now, especially in America. It, and with the pivot, like everybody, remember, remember with the pivot, the pandemic, remember like about I four, love that five month, months. The great pivot, the pandemic, yeah. let's just call it the great pivot. It is, it is oh. the great pivot. But the thing is, is that some people pivoted towards overwhelm right? They pivoted towards, I've got to write my novel. Like four or five months in, they're like, this is it. I can't go to work. I can't go to the gym. I can't go out and do, I must become the prolific thing that I have always dreamed of becoming, but never planned or prepared myself for. And like, we put these expectations on ourselves. They're ridiculous. I'm going to have the most amazing body ever. I'm going to meditate and do yoga every day. I am going to spend six hours with my family. I'm going to finally launch that book and the business. And, the, uh, the, uh, uh, and it just was ridiculous. <laughs> and so you can have it all like that, but it is over time. It is by making small investments in those four key areas of life on a daily consistent basis and not pushing too hard or to the detriment of any one of those areas um, as you do it. Mm, yes.
And I love that's kind of this last year, what you have pivoted into and teaching oh. and the confidence and, yeah. you know, and I love how when you show up online, it's not just confidence for theater people and stuff. It's literally the, what you are sharing can be implemented into any, any, career path, any field, whether even you're just a mom that's home or, you know, whatever it is. So I would love for us to kind of talk about that and for you to talk about what, you know, what made you go from being on Broadway to now wanting to teach people confidence? What was, you know, was there another big push mm -hmm. where you're like, I need to keep, I need to share this yeah. or, you know, what, what was that? Well, it, it I think what I recognized is, is that all business is show business. And I'm not talking about just business like the act of making money. Uh, the act of being a parent, that's show business. Mm -hmm. I have to entertain my child in order to make him eat. He is eight years old and I cannot get him to sit in the chair long enough to start and finish a meal. So I gotta keep him entertained. I gotta make a show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to deliver a show. Uh, you know, and at the same time, I could just be like, sit down. And I've done it. Sit down. Please sit down and eat. Please sit down and eat. But I'm like, that. he's too creative. He's too inundated with all these devices and stuff, you know, like all the children are now. And I got to put on a show. I have to, I have to infotain him <laughs> in order to make him do what I want him to do. Right? <laughs> so, all business whether it's the business of parenting, whether it's the business of your body, whether it's the business of relationships, the exchange of information, right? And business itself, uh, coaching, authors, entrepreneurs, actors, singers, whatever. It's all show business. And what I realized is that when my show business got cut off and shut down, I went from making six figures comfortably a year to nothing. Uh, so it was part of desperation, right? Because I'm like, uh, 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 okay, right? The bills don't stop. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other part was inspiration because I was like, I got it. Part of me needs to be clapped at, right? I'm like, Tinkerbell, my light will go out. And then the other part of me is like, but I really, I've been doing this coaching thing and I've been, you know, teaching and, ah, and I like it, but I always thought it would be something I'd do later but now it's all I can do, right? It's all that I have. And so I just doubled down on that thing. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't have been caught dead years ago saying this, um, even though I might've felt it. It's like, I love teaching. I love mentoring. I love coaching. When the light bulb goes off over someone's head, it's like, that's my drug of choice. I yeah. love it so much. And so I was like, okay, how do I do it? And believe me, this past year, if you look at the landscape of my business, it looks like World War II happened inside of my life and my business and my bank accounts and everything else because I was at war with myself. I was at war with how to deliver my message. I was at war with how to position myself as an authority figure. Even though I've, look, I, you think like, what? I thought I figured you've been in front of 30 million people, blah, 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 all this other stuff. But like, but I still was like, well, oh, I wrote this book called Audition Secrets and, you know, it's all, but I don't, I'm going to give it away for free because I've never really taught this stuff before. And, and, you know, me now would travel back in a time machine and like literally from the highest I could hold my hand, smack myself right <laughs> and say don't you dare give that away for free do you know what your value is you have value that can change people's lives and you deserve to be paid for it right but i had to go through the war in order to understand that and so again desperation inspiration and i really just had to figure out how do i and i'm still working on it too how do i deliver the right message for my perfect client and who is that perfect client for me and then how do i position myself as an authority figure and drive and magnetize people to that message and drive that traffic to a place where they will get what they want so that i can give them what they need and then how do i make the process of getting sales and selling them things enjoyable 
there's still even a piece of me that's like when it comes to sales even though i know even though i know what sales is is not taking money from someone else sales to me is uncovering so clearly the value of something that i have that it's worth more than the money in someone else's pocket Woo! that i know that but still part of me is like you could have it for free like ugh, right yeah so i'm at war with that <laughs> yeah. and myself on that and then the last thing that i will say about this is that like what i've come to understand is that i am but one man one human being and there's only so much of a one valuable resource that i have that i cannot make more i can make more money i can make so many more things right more books more coaching blah, 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 blah. but i can't make more time i can't copy myself and if you've uh, uh there's a michael keaton movie i forget what it was um where he copied himself over and over again and the copies well, yes, yeah multiplicity yes multiplicity yeah right and the copies kept getting less and less intelligent right <laughs> right over time they were they or they were split the yeah exactly like stevie pizza right like it just like uh right and eventually you can't you cannot clone yourself like that right and eventually over time you'll 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 fragment and so i i figured okay now it's about instead of serving one-to-one, -one, it's serving one-to-many. And how do I automate and evergreen that process? And I actually teach mm -hmm. a masterclass about that and about a system that I am using uh, in order to do that. But that's the war and it has not over. The, both sides refuse to surrender. And that is what I mean. And that's what I face every morning when I get up. And that's why a morning routine, going back to that, is so important mm -hmm. for me. Because instead of going to work in my office here, uh, chasing a victory, I end up actually having the victory on, on my own in terms of my body. I do something for my body. I do something for my connection with God. I do something for my relationships, make that investment, make the investment in my business and discovering something that mad. That's what those walk and talks are. It's the business part of a discover and I declare. If I discover something that's valuable to me, I declare it to my people that I serve so they can get some value out of it as well. And then of course I use that then to drive traffic and to magnetize people to an offer that I have that will serve them at an even higher level. Well, I love that. And I love the point of like the war with yourself because it's so true. And so many of us so often think like, well, I don't know. I'm not worthy of teaching that. I'm not really an expert. I kind of feel like I failed. Like you had said mm. before, well, I feel like yeah. I failed at doing a lot of these things, but you could be teaching so much of those. And I feel like that's going to be such an aha moment for so many people listening. And even myself, there's been so many things I'm like, well, I can't teach that. And, but so many people are like, yeah. would you just stop it and just go do yeah. it? And I just love that, the piece of that. So I would love to know that you confidence is, you know, what you're teaching. And I think, you know, we talked about how in your 20s, there's like this confidence of no one can destroy me and I can take on the world. And then life slaps <laughs> you in the face a couple of times and then kicks you down and kicks uh -huh. you when you try to get yeah. back up. And I feel like sometimes people can lose that confidence in themselves or they just can't quite yes. find it. You know, like for me, I know that that's there. Yeah. I used to, you know, just like you, I'd audition. I'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to get the role, whatever. It doesn't matter. But now I yeah, don't know if I would yeah. feel that way. And there's certain things that you're just not as confident sure. in. So what is your advice for people to get some of that confidence back? Like what's just some small tangible things that they can do that helps bring confidence back? 100%. Well, it, it, when we think about confidence, we have to define it. I like defining it. I'm a bit of a word nerd. And so a lot of people have a lot of different interpretations for confidence, but I'll give you mine, which is based on the actual roots of the word, the etymology of the word, what it's built upon. So when we look at the word confidence, the English root of that word is confide, which means to trust, which is why we tell our secrets to a confidant, a confidant. And Yet when we don't have confidence, it means that we don't trust ourself. Self-confidence, self-trust. And there are so many things in life that come along that break our trust, right? Our trust in relationships, our trust in our bodies, right? 
our trust in business and, and the things that we've spent so much money learning in college, right? And still pay for it, most of us, right? And yet the thing is, is that when it comes to confidence and why many people don't have confidence is because, <laughs> and you might not like to hear this, but it's true. And we're all guilty myself of it, uh, of it, included of it, is that some of the people you know have heard some of the lies that you've told, but you've heard all of them. And so <laughs> you've broken your word. We, I should say, have broken our word to ourselves so often, so many times that we can't believe a word we say. Broken trust within ourselves, whether that's with our bodies, whether that's with our spirituality, whether that's in our relationships, which is like a big one, whether it's in our business. And yet people wonder why they don't have confidence. Well, we can't trust ourselves. Okay, great. Now that we understand that, now that we see that, now that we know that confidence is self-trust and that we have throughout time and effort or life has or we have broken our trust with ourselves, now we arrive at a place that's really damning. <laughs> and, and when you understand this one concept, and my, my mentor Myron Golden told me this and it completely changed my life when he told me. He said, when you recognize that the people you come in contact with in this world, they don't see you through their eyes. They see you through your eyes. You realize that when you don't have confidence, AKA when you don't trust yourself, you are literally telling people that you come in contact with that they can't trust you. Now, everyone is guilty of this in some way, shape or form in one of the four areas I love to talk about, which is your body, your spirituality, your relationships, or your business. Everybody's guilty of it, myself included. And so when we want to get into a business relationship with someone, and we don't have confidence, you're literally telling them they can't trust you to do business with you because you don't trust you to do business with you. In relationships, deep intimacy moments, when you don't have confidence, you're literally telling that other person that they can't trust you to be in a relationship with you. You make bad food choices when you don't have confidence. You make bad fitness choices when you don't have confidence. Make bad money choices. Okay, great. Now we've seen the pain, <laughs> right? We've seen the pain. We know it, it affects our body. It affects our spirituality and our connection to ourselves, the divine, higher selves, whatever you want to call it. It affects our relationships and our business. So what do we do about it? Well, first of all, recognize that confidence is a skill. Just like chewing gum without swallowing it. Just like walking and talking if you are mobily able to do so. Just like operating the machine that we're watching and or listening to. We weren't innately born knowing how to operate a cell phone, yet we learned it is a skill that we just learned. Our children are born with it in their hands, basically. Confidence is just the same exact way. It is a skill that you can build. And one of the four pillars or the four pillars of confidence that I'd love to talk about are clarity, commitment, creativity, and certainty. And when you make the investment in those four areas and then apply them to the four areas of life, then is when you mm -hmm. really build the foundation. And so I will just say this. We talked about facts versus truth earlier on, right? And how truth can be relevant. If your truth, if you watch Fox News is different than your truth, if you watch CNN is your difference is if you watch OAN or MSNBC. This is not a political conversation. This is just the fact. Right, the, the right, the truth. I should say it's the truths out there. Right, my truth is not your truth. Is not the neighbors down the street's truth. However, the truth is beautiful and it can set you free. I love it. But when it comes to making change, developing change that lasts, developing confidence, trusting yourself again, you got to get clear on the facts. The facts are the numbers, the data. We talked earlier about that person who has 10,000 at the beginning of the month and then has uh, spent 11,000 and a negative $1,000 balance, right? There are facts there, numbers, data that can be examined. And when you do that, you get, you get clarity on your facts. And there's a whole diatribe that we could talk about when it comes to even below that. You know, when you get clarity, we talk about facts, your feelings, what's your focus, and then what's your fruit or the outcome of all that. But I'm not going to go into that because we don't have time. But 
when you begin to get clear on the facts, the measurable data about whatever it is you don't feel confident about, aka you don't trust yourself about, you begin to build back the bonds of trust with yourself because you get clear on where you are. If that's your weight, if that is your connection with the divine, if that is in your relationships and, you know, measurable data and relationships. So how, how, how many hours of quality time a day do you spend with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, right? Quality time, no devices, no de quality time. That's measurable data. And then business, I mean, we can just go into accounting. Those are numbers, right? And that's easier. That's probably one of the easiest places to measure. So when we get clear on the facts of where we are, we begin to build back strand by strand the trust and the awareness that we have of this place where we don't feel confident, aka trust ourselves. And there's a whole other just wonderful journey that we can go on when it, when it comes to confidence. But that is the mm -hmm. first place you must start. It's the reason why people get up at AA meetings and say, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. You have to get clear and own the facts of where you are today. And then and only then can you rebuild the bonds of trust that you have and begin to start the journey of keeping your word to yourself so that you can really truly stand on what I like to call the foundation of unshakable confidence. Mm. Mm. That is so good. And I think that people forget that it's like a practice skill. You know, like even as you're talking, I'm like, well, of course, like way back when, because you audition, audition, you know, like with auditions, of course you're confident after you've done it so many times because yeah you know like you're good at it or you know mm -hmm. when you're working out and there's confidence in i know when i do these certain things and i eat this mm -hmm. certain way that it's going to make my body feel a certain way yeah and i love that and one thing that i also was kind of thinking about i was listening to a podcast from elevation church and they were talking about moses and how he wasn't confident when god called him and they had said in there that something i had never thought about that they were also like you have to believe in your confidence and if you can't find it borrow it from someone who believes in you mm. Because like they see it in you and they know like that you're yeah. good at it, then go borrow that confidence that they're giving you yes. until you can build your own confidence. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's a, and you can and and that's applicable to someone or to God. I loved forget who told me. Oh, I think it was uh, her name's Dee Dee Bresky, a wonderful coach in her own right, Dee Dee, and she said, "Well, God can never love me any more than He already does." I just choose to either accept that love or to not, to turn my face toward him or turn it away. And that's, again, going back to failure is a mindset, not an outcome. Confidence is a mindset. That trust in yourself is a mindset or lack of confidence is not an outcome. It's a mindset. And whether it's God or someone else's confidence in you, I mean, borrow it it's there it is waiting for you literally to just turn your face towards it and the reason one of the reasons why when we were younger we we're like yeah no problem it's ignorance right you're like oh yeah sure i'll go audition for this and i'll do because you just trip and fall and you keep doing it and you don't think oh my goodness never gonna happen and i've got a mortgage and i've got none of that those things are there it's just you right well if we can begin to start operating from the confidence and self-trust perspective that it's just us or or we are all one right or whatever however it is you want to put it or it's me and god or whatever like me and the spirit like that is the conduit and the and the the roadway back to a trust with yourself and yes borrow it from somebody else do whatever you have mm -hmm. to do in order to just move forward and do the thing and please fail as fast and as often as you can. And the last thing I'll say about it is I love telling my students everything that you want, everything that you need, whether it's in your body, your spirituality, your relationships, or your business, is waiting for you just on the other side of your willingness to fail and to fail publicly. And I believe that like with Moses, mm -hmm. you know, like with anyone, who believes like I do, it's like, you know, when you want to go to that next level, I believe that there's always a test. Mm 
I believe that God is like, yeah, okay, let's go. You know, and, and like Moses had the burning bush came down all white hair and everything, right? Right. Like all those things, there's, it's, there's, and it sounds contradictory, but it's like new level, new devil. Okay, great. If you want to move from $50,000 a year to 75000 or to $100,000 a year, that requires a new person. The old person with the old beliefs, the old habits and the old ways and mentality, that was that $50,000 person. A year. Yes. You can't be a hundred thousand dollar person a year with fifty thousand dollar habits, thoughts, and behaviors, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's this, and, and that's the journey, and that's the beauty of it all. So if you need to borrow somebody else's confidence and somebody else's trust in you to be able to go through the warfare that it takes to go from the fifty thousand dollar person to the hundred thousand dollar person, then please do it. Do yourself that favor because if you can if you can keep moving forward, you will get there one way or another and you will be all the bigger and better for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is next for you? What's the next big calling that you're like, oh, I just been doing this and I think that this is what I'm maybe going to do? You know, I know. If you haven't said it, like what's the next thing for I you? I know the next thing for me is to really – triple down on confidence um i've been i've been working around it i've been working with different and trying to find a different you know my my ideal client and i've had all these different clients and worked in all these different markets but i think the message for me is just what we're talking about here it's that learning to trust yourself again that's it that's the basis of so much of what we are all myself included struggling with right now is learning to trust period again like just learning to trust learning to trust the world learning to trust the air learning to trust like you know what i mean like <laughs> nature learning to trust again and not just trust the process but trust ourselves in the process of getting back to some sense of normalcy moving forward and expanding beyond where the places we thought were possible that that's the message that I'm going to start delivering and making all kinds of weird, wild and wacky offers that I can. Uh, it, it really is just about just making more offers and seeing what sticks and failing and, and not being able to sell certain things and, and giving some things away. For, for I'm just going to continue to experiment and try and work and figure out what it is that people I mean, I know what they need, but what it is that they want and how I can give them what they want and be like, oh, hey, remember this self-trust thing? Yeah, that's what we're going to really dive into. So so that's what's up for me. And if you want to find out more about the things that I'm doing, all you have to do is follow at Justin Guarini. And if you can't spell that, just look up the guy from American Idol with the hair. It's totally cool. No offense taken. Uh, and, and just follow me there because I will be talking so much more about confidence over the next few months you're gonna you're gonna be annoyed by it (laughs) right i love it this has been such a great conversation and i'm so honored that i got to talk to you before i let you go i'm we're gonna do the fun random fire question you get a pick between one and 350 wow 265 200 and 65. Oh, this might be good for you. If cartoon physics suddenly was replaced by real physics, what are some things you would want to try? If in the real world we had cartoon physics, oh my goodness. I would definitely, wow. I think it would be fun to, to fly and to just leap off of things, knowing, knowing that I wouldn't, you know, obviously I would splat, but not in a way that would kill me. Uh, that would be unbelievably cool to be able to just like, yeah, <laughs> and like run. And I, I just think like Wile E. Coyote sort of like, like things like strap the rocket to my back and just see what would happen <laughs> sort of things. So, uh, yeah, cause I really loved it. when I was younger and foolish, uh, skydiving was so cool. I enjoyed it and bungee jumping. I would still bungee jump and I wouldn't skydive anymore, but, um, yeah, that would be the fun. That would be the fun cartoon physics. Yes. I love that. Okay. So my last question that I feel like everyone is burning and wants to know 
I have seen you post about the new Britney Spears musical. Yes. Are you I am not at liberty to say at the moment. However, uh, it was something that I was originally in, in last year, um, and it got shut down uh, along with all of uh, of the entertainment industry pretty much um, in March of 2020. And so uh, we shall see. Uh, but I'm, regardless of whether I'm in it or not, I'm very excited uh, for the run that we're going to have for Once Upon a One More Time at the Shakespeare Theater. In D, uh, what run they're going to have at the Shakespeare <laughs> Theater? <laughs> oh, forget it. Nothing. The ink hasn't dried. How about that? But but uh, I, if they were to invite me back, uh, I would I would very happily be a part of it um, because it is a show that is so perfect for now. Mm-hmm. The time that we live in, and it is filled with Britney Spears' greatest hits. Which I mean, come on, how could you not? How could you not like that? Well, I can't wait to come see you if you are or aren't in it. <laughs> and you possibly might be able to. You possibly might be able to. Well, whatever. If you show do, yeah, get in touch with me. Yeah. When Broadway opens yeah. back up, yeah. I remember I sent you. You had posted about it, and my six-year-old. I had said something because he loves musicals and he's like, is there like real place? I was like, someday again, there will be, I will take <laughs> yeah. you. Yes. Well, good. Well, I can't wait. You let me know. You call me and I will give you the tour and everything. I can't wait. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, Michelle. We are so excited to be introducing to you the Living Your Calling Retreats. These retreats are going to be for women to reconnect to themselves and to join in community with like-minded women. We are going to take you from places from the Midwest to the beach to the mountains. And this is going to be a time for you to disconnect and have time away and to focus on yourself and to take a break from whatever it is you need. These retreats are going to be like nothing you have experienced before, and we are creating them with you in mind. If you would love to know more about the Living Your Calling retreats, you can head to the link in the show notes to join the waitlist so that you can be the first to know when we are going to be connecting together. We are so excited to create this for our community, and we cannot wait to meet you and to join a community at the Living Your Calling retreats. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Living Your Calling podcast. If you love this episode, will you share it with a friend or leave a review? Make sure that you subscribe or follow so that you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from listeners and connecting. You can find us over on Instagram at the Living Your Calling podcast or at Michelle Ann Hagen. Join us inside of our private Facebook community called the Living Your Calling Podcast Community. It's free, so why don't you join us inside? You can join by clicking the link in our Instagram bios or checking out the show notes. Join us and we will dive in deeper and I can't wait to connect with you. If you needed someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams, friend, this is it. I promise that you are worthy of whatever is on your heart and whatever calling you are wanting to chase. I am proud of you and I'm here for you. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for.